Welcome to the Geek Speak Show. People who get it, get it. This is the Geek Speak Show. Interviews with the movers and shakers in geek culture. This is Mark Zickby, writer, producer, and director of Space Command. Hey, this is Todd McFarlane, creator of Spawn, and one of the original founders of Image Comics. Hi, I'm Chris Hardwick. Geek is spoken here. They're listening. You're consuming. You're watching with your ears. Oh, you just listen. The Geek Speak Show is powered by GeekTyrant.com, GameTyrant.com, MightyVille.com, Ramascreen.com, and Zergnet.com. Please make a note of it. Here are the hosts of the Geek Speak Show, Henry San Miguel and Rachel Roselli. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Geek Speak Show. I'm Henry. And I'm Rachel. And uh, today we should call it Comic Geek Speak. Because we're going to talk a lot about comic books. Uh, we're going to have a couple of comic books. Mark and Mark, Mark Torres and, and Mark Arnold. They're going to do their comics commentary and their stories behind the stories. So let's all do comics today. But before we do that, let's talk about... I don't know if you can call it the boob tube. Can Because flat screens, can you still call them boob tubes? Because they don't have tubes in them anymore. No, yeah. But we're not going to go with that. Let's call let's call it TV talk now. Um only because a couple of things happened. One, Under the Dome premiered Monday. I, I, I texted you about it like moments when it was starting because I forgot yeah. that it was on. Uh, the other thing is your show, Revolution, it's on hiatus right now. It will come back later. But when it does come back, it's on a new night and new time. It's on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. That's so crazy, too, because now what am I going to do on Monday? Well, I have a problem with this because, you know, 8 p.m., <laughs> Wednesdays are usually my break from genre shows. It's my comedy night on ABC. I usually watch The Middle on uh, Wednesdays at 8 o'clock. So I'm going to have to do like Fringe and and, uh, and Grimm when that was on. I'm going to have to DVR one of them. Maybe. I don't know. Revolution was pretty good. I do, I, I do kind of want to see what's going to happen. So I'll probably. Hashtag first world problems. I'll probably DVR um, <laughs> The Middle and watch Revolution live. Oh, um, good. But uh, let's go. Let's go to what's on right now. Falling skies, of course, is on. On, on a, it's it's getting pretty good. The mysteries are um, getting more mysterious. I'll leave it at that. Uh, Under the dome, I, I, we were talking before the show started. You, I haven't read it. You haven't read the uh, the Stephen King novel that it's based on. Um, we talked to some people who have. They say it's okay. Uh, I, I well, what, what did you think of the show? First of all, well, I thought it was very interesting. I mean, I. On a pilot like that, I'm like, okay, I'd like to see what's going on, um, but I wasn't falling over in my chair either, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, what caught my attention is it's Brian K. Vaughn. Lo- love his writing. He wrote also not just the uh, Why the Last Man and Saga, but he also wrote on the little show I used to watch called Lost. And speaking of Lost, <laughs> Jack Bender is also involved in Under the Dome. A uh, lot of people obviously were waiting for this. 13.1 million viewers, one of the biggest premier, wow. summer premieres for CBS. So they're happy with it. Um, it has, I saw, honestly, I mean, a lot of people who, who've read the book, they say, I see Stephen King's footprint all over it. Honestly, no, no disrespect to him, but I see a lot of Brian K. Vaughn that it. it read like some of his comic books, like Why the Last Man. I could see York almost in the uh, the Barbie character. Uh, that's the other thing, kind of like Revolution. I don't know how you are. I still don't know their names, and I don't know whether to care or not care about them yet. Maybe you'll give it, a, you know, two, three episodes in. All I know is Barbie, just because, you know, what guy's going to want to be called Barbie? I think it's kind of funny. But also, that, I mean, that guy starts off, you know, with he's burying something, and then we don't we don't find out what that is until the end of the episode, of course. Um, so he he's the mysterious guy, so you automatically are intrigued by him. Yeah, and I don't know if this is explained in the book, but one of the things I thought is, if they're completely covered by that dome, how how do they get oxygen? <laughs> I don't know. Well, there's not dome hole, but plot hole number one. Plot hole. <laughs> Maybe we'll uh, get some mess <laughs> up. So, like I said, uh, when uh, later on when all the regular shows start returning, your show Revolution is moved to Wednesdays now at eight p.m. Graham also returns to Fridays at nine p.m. and that's going to be followed by something that I kind of want to see. It's a mini series, Dracula, that'll be at ten p.m. on NBC, and then after that. I'm not too sure about this one. Crossbone is going to be a pirate drama that takes over mid-season when Dracula goes away. Mm. This one, Sleepy Hollow is coming to Fox at 9 p.m. Mondays. It's not the Sleepy Hollow that you think. It's not the Johnny Depp one that you know, from a few years ago. Right. This one is kind of like the Sherlock Holmes one on on uh, on uh, CBS, I think it is, where they moved it to modern times. Sleepy Hollow. I mean, uh, Ichabod Crane goes to sleep. I think that's Ben Winkle, though, isn't it? But he goes to sleep and then he w- they wake him up today 
and the descendants of all the original characters are alive today and I don't know. It, it's kind of it, it sounds goofy i mean i i've gotten a preview of the the pilot it, it, it actually looks pretty decent but the the premise sounds pretty pretty goofy it makes it sound like national treasure those uh, think oh. Cage movies um so you know and everything's coming back beauty and the beast at, at nine on cw that's also on mondays i think it is um tuesdays tuesdays abc has me for 8 p.m marvel's agents of shield i think we're oh all, my god i'm so excited one. um all i have to say is Agent Coulson. There you go. This one sounds actually, from the CW, when is at nine? This one sounds pretty interesting, and especially the fact that it's going up against it's going up against uh, uh, Modern Family. It's called The Tomorrow People. The premise makes it sound kind of like the X Men TV show. Um, it's supposedly the next evolution of humanity. So maybe that one. Uh, there's a Once Upon a Time spinoff called Once Upon a Time in Wonderland that's coming Thursdays at 8 p.m. ABC. The Neighbors, I talked about it um, when it was on. It's moving to Fridays at 8 p.m. on ABC. If you guys haven't caught it, I would say catch it. it, it it's not, it, it's John Nolan because it's aliens, but it's also a comedy. And it, it's just, you know, again, the calm, calm down from all the drama and all the stuff that goes on during the, from Marvel's Shield and everything that goes on during the week. You guys can watch that. Uh, I know you've said before you don't like some of the sci fi shows. That, they actually have a couple that um, I'd be kind of interested in watching. I think one is called Cost World. Obviously, maybe you you might want to see that because you do it yourself. It's about let, let me just let me stop you there because I do like the sci-fi shows. So in case anybody heard that, yeah, well, maybe not the ones that have you know the cheesy effects that you play on Sunday night when nobody's watching. Uh, maybe <laughs> not those shows. Uh, but but is, they have a new show coming called Cost World. It's about uh, they they're gonna follow kind of like the Morgan Spurlock movie from last year, the the Comic Con one. They're gonna follow. Um, name as they say name cosplayers from beginning when, when they start thinking of the costumes when they make the costumes when they go actually go to you know the conventions comic-con and, and those and compete for money and prizes so uh maybe i'll be interested in that one uh there's another one called fandemonium premieres in the, in the fall since i'm in the fall it's kind of a uh, a reality show um it deals with how how us, and again, we talked about this last week, they call us the fanboy, fangirl genre now. So how do fanboy girls, how do, uh, it, 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 basically it's, it's kind of an in search of what's our culture, what's geek culture all about. So that that's what fandemonium is going to be about. So hmm. I don't know, I mean, I, I'm kind of scared of what they're going to do with it, what they find, but we'll see. Or how they're going to disrupt it, you mean? Yeah, that that's exactly what I wanted <laughs> to say. Uh, this one, I know you're not going to watch. I like it paranormal witness since you don't like the paranormal activity <laughs> movies this, no. was called, this was actually a little bit scarier than, than uh paranormal activities that, that just came, that just started i think two weeks ago wednesdays on sci-fi 10 p.m uh watch that one make sure your lights are off and you will not sleep for the rest of the night so that is what's happening with tv again your show so make a note of it somewhere on one of your eye machines revolution your show has moved <laughs> to uh wednesdays at 8 p.m now so that you don't miss it Got so it. Like I said, uh, this episode we're going to do, we're going to talk a lot of comic books. Uh, Mark and Mark are going to do their comics commentaries. Mark's going to do it in just a second. Mark Arnold's going to do his the stories behind the stories. And then we'll talk to a couple of comic book people. And yes, I, I talked about it la- last weekend. You don't have to be in it if you don't want to, Rachel. I'm going to talk reality shows. Oh. But it also, not just reality shows, these reality shows, Survivor. But it also has something to do with a comic book. So stay right there. And you'll hear all of that coming up on the Geek Speak Show. The Geek Speak Show will be right back. Comics Commentary with Mark Doris on the Geek Speak Show. The following is a release of Marvel Comics for the upcoming week Star Lord, The Hollow Crown Number 1, Journey into Mystery Number 653, Age of Ultron Number 10, Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider Man Number 15, Gambit Number 14, Young Avengers Number 6, X Men Number 2, Wolverine Number 5, Uncanny X Men Number 7, Uncanny X Force Number 7, Ultimate Comics X Men Number 28, Secret Avengers Number 5, Scarlet Spider Number 18, Fantastic Four Number 9, Fantastic Four Number 8, Deadpool Number 12, Captain America Number 8, Avengers Arena number 11, All New X-Men number 13, Nova number 5, Guardians of the Galaxy number 4, Wolverine and the X-Men number 32, Powers Bureau number 5, Brilliant number 7, Fury Max number 13, Hawkeye number 11, and Daredevil number 27. And here's your list for DC Comics for the week. 
Adventures of Superman number two, All-Star Western number 21, Aquaman number 21, Arrow number eight, Batman Superman number one, Batman the Dark Knight number 21, graphic novel before Watchmen, Minutemen, Silk Spectre, Deluxe Edition, you can pick that up for 30 bucks this week. It of course features Before Watchmen, Minutemen number one through six, and Before Watchmen, Silk Spectre one through four. You'll also be able to pick up Before Watchmen, Ozymandias, Crimson Corsair, Deluxe Edition, also for 30 bucks. This will be featuring issues Before Watchmen numbers one through six for Ozymandias, Curse of the Crimson Corsair, and before Watchmen, Dollar Bill number one. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe number three is also available this week, along with Catwoman number 21, Injustice, Gods Among Us number six, the tie-in to the video game, Justice League number 21, Justice League Dark number 21, Justice League of America number five, Lar Flees, number one, graphic novel Red Hood and the Outlaws, volume two, The Starfire, which will be featuring issues eight through 14, is also available this week for $14.99. Red Lanterns, number 21, Superman, number 21, The Flash, number 21, Teen Titans, number 21, Talon, number nine, Superman Family Adventures, volume one, also available for $13 this week, features issues one through six of the All Ages series. Superman Volume 1, What Price Tomorrow, graphic novel for $14.99, featuring the collecting issues of number 1 through 6 of the new 52, as well as Superman Volume 2, Secrets and Lies, that features issues 7 through 12, also available for $25. So as always, a lot going on with the new 52, looking like issues number 21 for the most part. That's all we got for this week's comic book releases. Catch you guys next I'm Zach, and you're listening to the Geek Speak Show. Hold on a second. Once more, with flavor. Yeah. Oh, I'm Zach Whedon, and you're listening to the Geek Speak Show. It's compelling. What's gonna happen to these kids? I agree. So let's talk comics on the Geek Speak Show. Do a lot of that on this show. Uh, yes, we got comics commentary coming up, and even Mark Arnold's gonna do some stories behind the story. So stay tuned for all of that. Right now, I just got, I just finished reading a new book from, it's Big and Tall Tales, number one, Rocket Queen and the Wrench. Rachel, I sent you one. I'm sure you read through it also. I did. And I must say that the name is, is like very compelling. You're like, wait, what is this? Wait, Rocket Queen, what? The Wrench. Yeah. So, <laughs> on the talk about it, there's a writer and the creator. His name is Justin Pennison. Justin, welcome to the Geek Speak Show. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming on. So, so the first thing I want to know is, you know, where where did the story come from? We'll get into the story in a second. But where did, where did the story come from? Um, it came from me wanting to create a comic that was tapping into the readership that Harry Potter got. I guess I was looking to do something that kids would enjoy, but at the same time, it wouldn't turn off adults. Yeah. Um, no, I was gonna say I, I, I don't. I don't get the uh, the okay. Harry Potter thing because you know there, there there's not a lot of magic in in. I don't want to give too much away, but there's not a lot of magic in the book. So what do you mean exactly by that? When I say Harry Potter, I, I just mean in terms of uh, of the feel, the 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 style of storytelling, not so much the genre. Um, I wanted to do something about kids. I wanted to do something that was episodic in nature. Um, my initial plan is that every story will take the place over a summer um, and then they're going to separate again for a while um, I don't know Harry Potter was really strong in my mind when I when I do the Hollywood pitch for this I say it's uh, Iron Man meets Harry Potter okay oh okay um, yeah um, and I don't know uh, it's kind of strange but Harry Potter has influenced a lot of the things I do in terms of looking for uh, all age material um, Harry Potter's influenced a lot of us in a lot of things. I mean, just, you know how many times here, <laughs> yeah. you know how many times in the studio when we're doing something, we just stop and just you know expect the Patrona just because we can. <laughs> it has. Yeah, I reread Harry Potter. I I, re- <laughs> I reread Harry Potter every couple of years. Yeah. So why are you in the um, comics? Why are you on the Geek Speak show? <laughs> well, that's funny. I've been in the comics my whole life. I'm a huge comic book guy. Um, when I think of new projects that I want to work on, they almost always come to me as a comic book idea. Um, I, I wish I could draw, because then I would do my own comics, but I guess we all have to be bad at something, and that's me. <laughs> um, but uh, I, um, 
I've been doing comics for a while now. I've written a couple times for DC Comics. I've written for IDW. Um, I um, I do my own webcomic. So I do, you know, comics are where it's at for me. And so, I mean, if, you, if you've loved them forever and you've done all these different things with writing and stuff, what made you choose the, the comic for kids as the one that you've, you've made here? Um, part of it was the artist, Ramanda Camarga. Um, when I was sent his samples, I, was immediately, I immediately thought, wow, I wasn't thinking about doing Rocket Queen as manga or anything manga style, but man, this mm-hmm. is so beautiful and it just suits the idea so well. Um, he does that great sort of great sense of detail with the backgrounds and the armor and everything, but in the faces are very simply drawn and expressive. And I just, and I thought it would be easy for kids to see themselves in the roles of the characters. And I just, I just loved it. Uh, his art was what pushed me to do that particular uh, concept at that time. That's funny. When I saw the comic, that's the first thing that caught my eye because I, I have the same thing where I love that style of art. And so when I was looking through, I was like, Ooh, this is so pretty. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's fantastic. Um, and I'm very lucky to be working with him. He, he's, he's a good guy. Are you into like manga or, or anime or anything like that as well? Um, I wouldn't say into, not in the same way I'm into uh, more Western comics. I mean, I'll watch some anime here and there. Um, I read almost no manga. Okay. We're talking to Justin Peniston. He's a creator and writer. Rocket Queen and the Revenge. You guys can get it on comicsology.com. Got a link up in our link section. All easy for you. He does some other work. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, J- Justin, when, when not to give too much away, but we haven't um, talked about the book itself. Rocket Queen and the Wrench. Give us, um, not the Hollywood pitch, but what, what, is, what is it about, basically? Um, this is the story, when I came up with the story, the question that popped in my head was, what would happen if Alfred had a daughter and that daughter had adventures with Robin? Um, and this is basically the story. Rocket uh, Queen is the youngest member of a superhero family called the Zoom Family. Um, and they are fabulously rich, um, kind of like Tony Stark or Bruce Wayne. They have a huge estate and manor, and their quote-unquote manservant slash major domo happens to be uh, the father of a kid named Jamie Baldwin. And Jamie comes and, through a little digging, manages to discover their secrets, and rather than being pushed away at all, he decides he wants to join in and he helps Rocket Queen with her adventures. And she calls him the wrench because he helps fix her armor, but she also thinks he's kind of a tool. Yeah, I was going to say, he, <laughs> she calls him a tool, so that's, I, I thought that's where, the, where it came from. Uh, did you always yeah. have a... Did you, when you started thinking of the story, was it always going to be a female lead, or, or did that just come up as, as you were planning the story? Um, you know, it just came up... I mean, I... No, it was always a female lead. I always wanted them to be male, female, because I wanted to have that dynamic. And I really like comics that are inclusive to, you know, boys and girls, men and women. Um, I don't think there are enough uh, female main characters out there that aren't hypersexualized. So oh, we like this yeah, guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's, I would say out of the projects I've got simmering, Three probably have female main characters right now, three out of the five. And as either the either a female lead or a co-lead, um, and even if it's not, like, uh, I do a webcomic, Hunter Black, and that's got a, male, a very strong male lead, but the main subplot is about the fact that the greatest swordsman in the world is a woman, and no one likes that. So, I like yeah, that. I like to write... <laughs> I like I like to write to a to a female audience as much as a male audience, and I think it's a challenge to to do stuff that really equally appeals to both. Yeah, we, we it's it's up on your uh, on your blog. It's, all of them are up in our link section. If you guys want to go check it all out, Hunter Black and and his own personal blog is up there also for Justin. Uh, last week's show was actually kind of about that. We talked about the the, the fake geek girl issue that yeah. that's out there. Uh, so, so, so you know. Th- you're obviously a, a comic fan and writer artist. 
um, how how do you make comic book shops not just comic books but comic book shops how do you make it more more fangirl friendly because because that that's one, something that we we didn't cover too much uh, on last week's show is that it's still you know not that easy for a girl Rachel you know about that to, to go into the comic book shop and not get the questions oh you're here for mm-hmm. your boyfriend <laughs> or whatever uh, I think the first thing is shops should hire more girls um, I don't think anyone's going to make a comic shop more comfortable for a girl to be than for there to be a girl there. Um, and I think that, I mean, you have to stop people who work in comic shops from profiling the people who walk through the door, taking a look at them and saying, oh, that's a girl. She wants manga. Oh, that's a chubby guy. He wants to read X-Men. You know, it shouldn't be, they should wait and interact with the person, you know, as if they're meeting him for the first time and let them express what they're into. Um, it's very strange how there are people in comic stores, obviously it's not all of them, but there are plenty of people in comic stores who feel like being into comics is some kind of exclusive club and they don't want people to join. <laughs> I mean, it's a, bus- it's a business, you know, and you want as many people to be involved as you can. I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird social thing. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, and and you know that I agree completely with that. With, you know, hiring more girls, and and we we've got, we know a few actually here at our local comic book shops here in the San Francisco area. Uh, as far as the the actual comics go, I mean, how, how do you how do you get more female readers into that? Like I think, like you mentioned earlier, get characters that they actually identify with would be one way, right? Absolutely, I think. Look, I mean, comics has such a history of putting women into cheesecake roles. You know, I mean. Even Wonder Woman, who is a great feminist icon, is, you know, in a pretty skimpy outfit. I mean, she's wearing star-spangled spanky pants, you know. (laughs) And I think you can't really mess with Wonder Woman because she's so iconic, but I think female characters where their gender and sexuality isn't the point is a start. Um, And... Not every female character needs to be a derivative of a male character. Not every female character needs to be a Batgirl or a Supergirl or an American Dream. And I don't say that to, you know, disparage those characters because they're pretty cool. But, you know, original female characters are a good place to start. Um, you know, I gotta, more female creators. I got to say before you go on, let, let's just say Justin Peniston said it first. As far as I know, you're the first one to say it. With Fourth of July coming up, somebody's gonna want to do something with with what you just said right there. Star spangled, <laughs> spanky pants. <laughs> uh, well, I have to give credit to a buddy of mine because he always refers to that that way. So Matt Filer, I just stole from you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just got um, stuck in that image. <laughs> no, it's okay. And then also, more female creators is would be huge. Um, I don't think it's an accident that Gail Simone has such a huge following, you know, I mean, I mean, she's a tremendous writer and that's a huge part of it. And, you know, but, you know, she's also so pro girl and so pro let's make characters that are anything but straight white men for a while. I think, you know, I think female creators add a lot to the mix, especially bold ones, you know? Yeah, definitely. I agree too. Yeah. Yeah, and again, we're talking to Justin Pennison. He's the creator, writer, Rocket Queen and the Revenge. You guys can get it on comicsology.com. Got a link up in our link section. If you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it on there and find out about more of your stuff. You mentioned Hunter Black. Justin, uh, tell us a little bit about Hunter Black. Uh, Hunter Black is a hard-boiled fantasy webcomic. Um, we were... It was inspired by reading Darwin Cook's adapt- adaptations of the uh, Parker novels by Richard Stark. Um, I read those, they're published by IDW, and they're brilliant, they're absolutely brilliant. And I thought, man, this is the kind of comics I want to do. Um, and, but I, I would have a hard time doing straight crime. Um, so, but, so I thought, well, let's do a, a fantasy noir. And that just kind of led me into magic swords that keep people alive, and the quest for revenge, and, you know... And I'm a huge D&D geek, so fantasy is right in my wheelhouse. Um, and it just boiled over from there. It's not quite as kid-friendly as Rocket Queen, but I think if you let your if you let your kids watch primetime network television, you can probably let them watch, you know, 
uh, or we're going to let him read Hunter Black, rather. Yeah, I know, um, I know parents who've let him watch Kick-Ass, that's me included, so if you let them see that, then you, they can see this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not, it, it's violent, there's definitely death in it, but it's not over the top. Um, we use very little profanity, and... We are, I like to think that we are tasteful in our use of sexuality in the book. You know, I mean, it is a crime. It is a noir story, so there have to be femme fatales. But they're not the only women in the story. Like I said, I have a, one of our current subplots is that the greatest swordsman in the world is a woman. Hmm. Uh, and she's, you know, she's a lot of fun to write. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what else have you worked on and, and where can our listeners find it? Um, I wrote my first quote unquote big break was I wrote an issue of the pre new 52 blue beetle Mm. for DC comics. Um, I read, I wrote a story in the JSA 80 page giants in 2010 about mission terrific, which was a lot of fun. Um, there's a rock and roll based store, uh, series coming out from IDW called eternal descent. And I've written a few issues of that. Um, rocket queen obviously is available on comiXology. Hunter black comes out every Tuesday and Friday. Um, and there is more to come for me because, uh, we are big and tall tales, which is my company. Uh, we're planning to do our next digital comic. Um, my partner and I just hired an artist and we're in the development stages right now. And I'm hoping that we'll launch, early next year and going back to uh, Rocket Queen and, and the wrench uh, Rachel mentioned that earlier in the, in the interview is, is it, it it does kind of look when you, when you look at the art it does kind of look like something you'd see on a Saturday morning cartoon uh, do, would you want to see this turn into uh, not a Saturday morning cartoon but just a, a show an animated show um, I wouldn't turn down the opportunity I, I would love that <laughs> uh, it's I've been lucky because I get a lot of that's the third time that a reviewer has said to me, you know, this feels a lot like a Saturday morning cartoon. And that's, I mean, I loved being a kid in the 80s, getting up on Saturdays, bowl of cereal in hand, watching cartoons. And that's a great feeling. And if that's that's bringing that out in people, then I feel like I've done my job. So that's really, yeah, I love that. And I would love to see Rocky Queen translate to other media. Yeah. I think it can. I mean, reading through the uh, the first issue. Thanks again for saying that, by the way. But reading through the first issue, I, I can I can see that. I mean, it, it's fast paced. It's got a lot of action. It's got story. It's got characters that you actually want to know about, and it ends perfectly because you know, coming next week will be you know, will he find out what did he find out? Because you really don't see what he saw. Um, so I'm not going to get too much not away. Quite. Yeah, I'm not going to give away exactly what, what's going on. You guys go and get it. It's on comicsology.com on our link section. Go on there. Find out all about it. Justin, Justin, thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. You guys take care. Are you ready? Here's a Geek Speak Show quickie. It is another Geek Speak Show quickie this time around. Like I mentioned last week to Rachel, we're going to talk reality shows. Yeah, really, reality shows. We, we usually don't talk about those here on, on the Geek Speak Show only because not, not a lot of them are what you would consider geeky per se. Uh, I know Stan Lee has one called Stan Lee's Real Mutants. But, but we're going to talk to somebody who does, he was not only been on a reality show, he's been on the reality show, CBS a Survivor. And obviously he survived because he's on with us. Eric, mm-hmm. Eric, how are you doing? Welcome to the Geek Speak Show. Hey, it's good. I did survive somehow. <laughs> yeah. And, and he also does something that's right up our alley here on the Geek Speak Show, and that is comic books. He's a writer and an artist, and he did a new one called Starving for Attention. And it's, uh, well, I'll, you tell him what it's, what it's about. Um, basically, it's a comic book that kind of reflects on reality shows. And it, it kind of looks at the ways that um, there's lots of things that happen on these television shows that people don't really know because they watch a show, but they don't realize that there's all this editing that goes on behind the scenes and producing and stuff. So it actually kind of looks at that in a more humorous way. It kind of looks at reality shows like, oh, there's more to it than what you see on television. So it's kind of a peek behind the curtains, so to speak? Yeah, a little bit. And it kind of looks at just how silly uh, some of the ideas of it are. I mean, we're basically paying people money to put themselves in insane situations where they're starving for food, um, they're lost in the jungle, all kinds of weird things, but we'll sign up for it because, hey, we're Americans and we like the spotlight. <laughs> yeah. Now, the idea for the comic book, the story, did, did you get that before, during, or after you were on Survivor? Um, it was kind of 
in the process. I, the last time that I was on Survivor was the most recent season, which aired this past spring, uh, Survivor Karamoan. And while I was there, I was thinking, you know what? This would make a great comic book. This would make this would be an awesome story to tell. Um, just kind of the real story of going through a situation from one of the cast members' point of view. Um, so I kind of got the idea the last time I was there. And I had mentioned it to a few fans, and people were like, dude, you have to do that. You have to make it. And on top of that, a lot of people didn't really know that I was a comic artist. Most people knew me on the television show Survivor as an ice cream scooper. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't scoop ice cream anymore. Like That was like a summer job in college. So I wanted to do something more with comic books. Yeah, any fans of Survivors, because there's a lot of them out there, if they, if they read the, the Starving for Attention book, will they recognize some of the characters from Survivor? Oh, definitely. Um, a bunch of them are based off of real people, uh, people that I've met, people that you've seen before. If you watch Survivor and people right away, you're going to be like, oh, I know who that is. or I know who that's making that's making a couple jabs at. So definitely they were, there is some inspiration from people on uh, television. Well, during this last season was when you were thinking about the comic. Did, did, while you were filming, did, did anybody know that you were sort of taking notes and uh, it was going to end up in a comic book no people probably had no idea and if they knew they probably would have been like uh you need to sign a release or a waiver <laughs> on that you really shouldn't be doing that um because there are certain things like it it, uh, it bugs people sometimes to look behind the curtain to kind of be like yeah that's the story they want to tell but i'm gonna kind of make fun of it a little so uh, some people don't like that and that kind of breaks down the narrative of what reality shows are basically made of yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's pretty much the same for not just for Survivor, but for any show or movie. You you don't really want to see how Henry Cavill actually flew in Superman because then it kind of break, you know. Right, that's the magic. You're kind of like making fun of the magic that is Superman. So right. um, that's something that people don't necessarily like, but I think it's I think it's kind of funny, and I think that it kind of enriches the viewing experience. Like if you know certain things behind the scenes. Yeah, and we do get to say, and it says on the cover, it is a completely legal parody. So obviously, you got the okay to to print this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. We'll say yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, can you talk about you know some of the actual behind the scenes stuff that happened on Survivor or no? Um, you're not really supposed to, and most shows have very most reality shows have huge um, contracts that the contestants have to sign that say you will not talk about these things, and that's just a general rule of thumb with all these shows because it, it, their best interest is to show to make a good show to make a good television program, and they can't have people saying, well, no, they made it up. Um, like I watched a recent show that's that actually just premiered on Discovery Channel called Naked and Afraid, which is about people naked in the middle of the Costa Rican jungle. And during that show, during that program, uh, the fire burned down half of their shelter. And immediately I was like, that was faked. That was totally made up. I'm pretty sure production did that because they didn't have a show unless that happened. So there's definitely things that happen that that we as contestants experience differently. And we want to say, no, that's not what happened. So, um, that's something that most reality programs try to avoid. Yeah, they try to keep it as reality. Yeah, exactly. And that's the problem. Like, it's called reality television, and it's not necessarily reality at all. Yes. So I'll ask it like this. How much from the comic book, how much is pretty close to what you actually, you actually experienced while filming Survivor? Um, I would say, let's, let's ballpark it at like 60 to 70%. Yeah, and, 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 you know, again, it says on there, it is a parody, so it doesn't mean that everything you see on here is exactly what Eric went through. Uh, All the characters are fictional. They're made up. I mean, our main character, Ethan Rollins, does not exist. Um, That being said, I mean, people can read into it how they want or or look into it how much they need. Um, And because of – there's also a big network of reality – uh, people who have been on reality shows, that they go to different charity events all across the country. So I've talked to a lot of different people from different reality programs, and I have anecdotes of like, oh, we did this, or oh, producers on this show did this. So there's there's so much more going on that people don't get to see that all these other reality stars kind of like joke about behind behind closed doors. 
Yeah, it's called Starving for Attention, a completely legal parody by Eric Reichenbach. It, it is out now. It, you guys can go to our link section and you can find out about Eric because his, uh, his website is on there. You can also get the book. I have a link to that so you can get it for yourselves, especially if you're a big Survivor fan. Uh, again, this doesn't mean that it's a behind-the-scenes look at Survivor, but it's uh, maybe <laughs> behind-the-scenes look. Uh, so, yeah. Eric, let's talk a little bit about, about you. When, when did your interest in writing and, and, and drawing and, and comic books especially, when, when did that start? Um, that kind of started in college. Um, I actually didn't really get into it until later in life because I, I never grew up on comic books. Like I've been kind of going through like a second renaissance since college where I realized like, whoa, I should go to a comic shop and actually look at what, look at what people are doing. Before that, I never read comics. I didn't even really know of any of the big writers or artists or anything. So it's only kind of recently, like in the past maybe four years, um, that I started putting words and pictures together before I had done picture books, like on my own, where I just, I would draw pictures and then write a story. And then eventually one of my professors was like, dude, what's wrong with you? You need to put that together. Um, which is so weird. Like I felt so sheltered for so long about, about comic books. Um, but only really recently have I started making comics. What are some of the, uh, now that you've discovered them, what are some of the, the titles that you like or writers, if you have any? Well, I've been kind of going through the main the mainstays. Like I've been reading a lot of Watchmen, a lot of Alan Moore. Um, I love everything that he's done, and those are almost like standalone pieces. Um, I started with The Walking Dead as my first like big series, but over time, I've kind of realized I don't like the writing as much. I kind of I like the artist, but the writing I don't like as as much. So I'm just starting to learn learn about all the different writers and artists. Um, I love the new Green Lantern, the Green Lantern Corps. And the Black Lanterns and all the different colors. That that series is awesome. I'm just starting to get into like DC Marvel. So any place you want to give me to start, I will start reading. Yeah, actually, I was going to say, you know, you actually picked a pretty good time to jump into it because uh, you're probably aware of it. Both of them, Marvel and DC, they're going through a, a reboot sort of. You know, DC is doing the New 52. Marvel's the uh, doing the Marvel Now movement. And you know a lot of a lot of the characters, their being their origin is being redone. DC are you know major characters are their, their origins completely changed. Kind of like the uh, the Man of Steel movie that came out. Um, I don't know if you've seen that one. It's, you know that one is perfect. A lot of, I know a lot of people complain about it. it's not Superman. It is Superman because if you read the New Fifty Two, you know a lot of stuff has changed a lot. So to get for you who's just discovering comics this is the perfect time to jump into it because you don't have to go i mean it's there but you don't have to go and know all 75 years of superman for example you can just jump in and boom you're right into it i'm also really excited about how much um hollywood has kind of picked up comic books because they realized like there's a market for this and there's this devoted devoted fan base to it so i really like where that's going i mean comic like comic-con is a huge event now like it didn't used to be what it was, and comic books didn't used to be what they are. Um, but they're getting so much attention lately that I really, I'm really excited about it. Like that's something that's like you, you're on the right path. This is an exciting time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and you know, we credit or blame whatever you want to see. But you, but you credit Comic Con for that because as, as I don't know if, you know if you've ever been to a Comic Con before. But uh, I used to go back in the early '90s, and it wasn't the chaos that it is now, where you can't even go to the bathroom because it's just the lines are so huge uh but mo- when you go there most of the stuff is you know tv big hollywood the, the big summer tent poles for the following year uh a lot hollywood is seeing that they know that you need to put this if you go to comic-con you're putting it right in your target audience's eyes so that, that exactly. that's why they go to you know comic cons and wonder cons and all the conventions out there right it's just it to me that awesome like that's to me when i think about comic books like i did a lot of research on the history of it and where it's come from um i took a class with scott mcleod if you know who he is uh he wrote understanding comics and making comics and i kind of did a lot of history on where comics came from and they used to kind of be blacklisted people thought of comic books as just trash or they thought of them as like pulp kind of kind of uh uh just bad literature like really bad like oh sex drugs all kinds of horrible things and we're kind of going it kind of looks sounds like it's a renaissance now like they're being widely accepted and a lot of people are coming to it which which gives me a lot of hope now for someone who's just kind of getting into it yourself and obviously you know movies like the avengers and spider-man and man of steel do you think they are here to stay or is it just a fad and it'll just fade away eventually well i think i think 
it's the start of something. I hope it's not a fad, and I don't think it is. Um, there's so much more depth, like su- like the Superman character that we were seeing in the movie. Um, there's so much more depth to that character. There's so much more real story there that I think is getting touched on rather than maybe the Christopher Reeves uh, Superman and all the other Supermans of the past. Like, There's so much more there that we can go into and delve into. So to me, this is like, it's like a slow burn. It's, it's all happening so fast, but at the same time, there's just so much more story there that we can get roped into. So I, I think it's like a good start. It's almost like planting a whole new seed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, go back to the comic book star, starving for attention, you know, that that's out now. Again, you guys go to link section and order it, find out more about Eric there. What else have you worked on besides starving for attention? Uh, I worked. I worked on my first major comic was called The Town of Times, and it's basically a story of a small town girl who finds a time machine, and it messes up the small town. Like you'll see a small town become a major city, it becomes a dilapidated city, and that was kind of started. I took a trip to Belgium, and I saw Belgian comics, European comics, and how different they were from Americans, American-made superhero-type comics, and that was kind of inspired by that. Kind of a the European approach to comics, which is more uh, I guess it's less superheroes and less drama and more storytelling and more world building, I guess, in a way. So that was kind of my first delve into comics. Um, but I've kind of put that on hold. I'm starting to work with a writer that I met at WonderCon on something that's called The Wizard of War. Mm-hmm. And it's a look at The Wizard of Oz, but it's intensely badass. Um, the Wizard has gone insane. Um, the, the Tin Man is gone. Everybody's the lion, the the lion, the Tin Man, and the Scarecrow have all disappeared. The Wizard of Oz is taking over Oz. He he no longer is a human being. He's been warped through emerald radiation into this horrible robot creature that's taking over Oz. And Dorothy comes back, and she has to kind of save the Munchkin population. Um, so I'm just starting to work on this comic with this writer who's pretty excited about it. Um, that's my big project right now. It's, it's totally absurd. Like it's totally ridiculous. And we, we're having a lot of fun with it. Eric, where were you when they were coming up with the idea for Oz the Great and Powerful? That sounds a lot better than what, what's actually in the movie. <laughs> I was so, I watched that movie actually, cause I had this idea about the Wizard of Oz, the Wizard of War before. And we saw, I saw Oz Great and Powerful and I was so like, what the heck did they do? Like they tried to honor the old one, but they didn't, they messed it all up. Like it's just a mess. Yeah. So, and and I thought to myself, like I can I can mess with an old classic too. I can take an old classic story and, and mess it all up if I want to. But I don't know what they were doing with that. I think that was just I think that was just to make money. I think that was just oh, Wizard of Oz is a good title. We're gonna make some money, make make something that looks pretty. Yeah. So again, he's Eric Reichenbach. The the comic book is called Starving for Attention, a completely legal parody. It's again on our link, on our link section. You can find out all about Eric. You can order it. You can read it if you're a Survivor fan or not. Just you know, get a a look behind the scenes of what happens in reality shows. A little over the top, obviously, because you know it's a parody. Uh, but Eric, thanks a lot. Wish you nothing but success. You're welcome back anytime. Well, thank you, Henry. The stories behind the stories with Mark Arnold, exclusively on the Geek Speak Show. And this is historian Mark Arnold with another installment of the stories behind the stories. And today we're interviewing Walter Brogan. And Walter is a skilled cartoonist and illustrator who has done storyboarding and is also gifted in the art of caricature. And these skills have come in handy as he has worked for many black and white humor magazines, such as uh, Marvel's Crazy Magazine and the longtime publication of Cracked, which is now a website. And Walter has worked for Disney, among other companies. So uh, welcome to the show, Walter. And tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into cartooning and illustrating. Okay, so uh, how you doing, Mark? Pretty good. <laughs> we, we've, we've, never, we've never met. We've spoken a few times. Right. Uh, yeah, um... I I got into it as uh, very young. I started drawing uh, uh, at the age of three years old. I started drawing King Kong and <laughs> Popeye, and uh, um, I, I always, you know, always kept at it. And even in school, I was always doing these special projects. And uh, let's see, I went to SVA School of Visual Arts. I studied at the Art Students League. Uh, I started working in my third year of college. That's when I got that gig over at Marvel, a crazy, <laughs> crazy magazine. And I also uh, started going up to see Neil Adams, the great Neil Adams. 
And uh, I would, you know, ask him if he would be kind enough to uh, critique my work, tell me what I was doing wrong, what I had to do to get uh, to get better. And uh, Neil is a really nice guy. You know, he took time out late at night, around seven, eight o'clock, in his studio, continuity, continuity studios. Mm-hmm. I think it was. I think it was at Forty Fifth Street, I believe, at that time. And, and what projects did you work with Neil on, typically? Uh, well, later on, um, well, uh, let me see. He <laughs> would critique my work, and he would he would he would show me what I was doing wrong, what I had to do. Like in other words, the bones were pretty much everything in learning anatomy. Oh, I see. He, so he was like mentoring you. He was helping you. Yes, out, uh, yes, yes. Hone your yes, skills, and, uh, as it were. Okay. <laughs> Yes, and um, and um, later on, I started doing some storyboard work with Neil. Mm-hmm. When uh, um, let's see, uh, I after school, I I was also working at Crazy Magazine, but I started working as an assistant art director at an ad agency that was in the Tan Am building at that time. Uh, the ad agency's name was Foot Cone and Building, and. Uh, I started, you know, doing paste-ups and stuff like that and doing coupon ads, and but mostly doing storyboards. Mm-hmm. And then I moved on to Benton and Bowles, where I was an art director. And I, I got to tell you, I was always, uh, I was always, wind, I always wind up doing other guys' storyboards <laughs> for some strange reason. Uh, and I think they saved a lot of money on me doing storyboards because I was on salary and I was an art director. And they would come into my office and say, "Well, you know, can you can you do this? You know, do this." And uh, little did I know, back in those days, like around 1979, 1980, a lot of these storyboard guys were making an enormous amount of money. I mean, some of these guys were bringing in like two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. And here I was on salary. I was making only forty grand, and I was doing a whole bunch of storyboards. <laughs> I brought that to Neil's attention, and and, and he kind of said it straight for me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he said, "Oh boy." <laughs> uh, and then I, I applied for uh, Disney at that time had a training program, and you if you were you had to send in some some sketches, quick sketches of animals and and figure drawings and things like that. And uh, I sent some in. I got refused the first time. And I sent some more in about six months later, and I got accepted uh, by a guy named, the first guy, his name was Donald Duckwall. <laughs> that was the first time where I got refused. And the second time, there was a, a, a man named Ed Hansen who had sent me a letter back saying, you know, when can you come out on a certain date? Uh, let us know. And they put me in a training program. And uh, that's when I realized, um, Mm, animation kind of wasn't for me and uh, so I hung around California for a couple of years working in different studios I did a little work on Fire and Ice did some work at Hanna-Barbera then I came back and I did some storyboard work on a TV show called The Galaxy Rangers mm-hmm. um, I'm just wondering if there's a desire to get back into that if there's the opportunity or do you like uh, like what do you do currently you just do the storyboarding or is there something it's else the storyboards Mm-hmm. Just the storyboards, and just recently I've been looking into um, doing some children children's books. Hmm. And um, so, um, is and some there... greeting cards, things of that sort. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, storyboarding but is this for like uh, specific movies, or what? What are the... no mostly for mostly, if not all, for TV commercials. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I have, I have, I have a couple of reps. Mm-hmm. Do you work One through is, a particular ad agency, or is it just any agency that will? Uh, well, no, they're they're, they're reps, okay. and they they get me work. They take twenty five percent. They promote me, advertise me, and. Uh, one one is famous frames out in L.A. and one is uh, burrito boards. And recently, I hooked on to High Road Productions. Mm-hmm. I did some work with them about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, very good. I was just. Um, I know you have a website, so um, you know. Just you know, can you let us know uh, the best way to reach you and uh, 
you know, yeah, best way to contact you? Yeah, my website is walterbrogan.com. Okay. And I just wanted to thank you, Walter, for joining us today on the Geek Speak Show on uh, the stories behind the stories. And as always, if you want to comment on the show, you can email me at mark at thegeekspeakshow.com. You can hear the complete story behind the stories by going to funideas.50webs.com. That's 50webs.com. Funideas.50webs.com. The stories behind the stories. Exclusively on the Geek Speak Show. It's time for the Geek Speak Show Book Club. Uh-huh. Our books or graphic novels. Tell us what your favorites are. Books at thegeekspeakshow.com. Okay, so for this week's book club, uh, neither Rachel nor I have one. We're um, copying Joel on this one, I guess. But well, we have it, but we just we decided on a whim, and then we ended up with the same one. <laughs> well, maybe you did, but I decided to, you know to follow, get some. Finally, I did check the inbox for books at thegeekspeakshow.com. A lot of people, ironically, have suggested Under the Dome, the actual book from Stephen King, Under the Dome. So there are about seven of them. They all requested to be anonymous. I don't know why, but okay, we won't say who you are. But a lot of them said, Under the Dome, you guys have to read this one if you call yourselves a geek. It's so included in the book club. So now that the show is out, it is. And I promise you, well, I I do. I don't know about Rachel. I will pick it up and read it probably at the library or somewhere. Um, I can't say too much about it, Rachel. You can't either. Um, right. Because we haven't read it, but I will take all of your words for it. It's uh, I like. I'll say I like the premise of the book and the TV show. You know, you're, it's a city in a dome. But again, like you know, like I said earlier, how are they breathing if it's completely covered in a dome? Yeah, I mean they have trees in the dome, but I don't know. I think that's a little technical for what they're trying to do. Well, you got to cut them down to make papers because that's the only way you can communicate with the outs. Well, see, I'm getting too much into it. So those are our, our picks, which actually came from you guys. Under the Dome, Stephen King's novel that the TV show is based on. So that's the book club. That's the Geek Speak Show book club. Tell us what your favorite books or graphic novels are. Books at thegeekspeakshow.com. Now, that's also a show. So next week uh, starts July. July, we, I told you guys what's happening. We're going to do Course of the Forest. There's, uh, you ever heard of uh, South by Southwest? Oh, yeah. So there's a new little expo called Why by Why Why. Yes by Yes Yes. It's a gathering of geeks, and we'll tell you all about it sometime in July. It's pretty cool, actually. Uh, I mentioned Course of the Forest. Have Woodstock 5.0. Um, guy that used to play... Uh, Wesley Crusher on TNG may come by mm-hmm. and talk about it because he has something to do with it. Um, and it's a little happening in San Diego, I think, sometime in the middle of July. You might know something about it, Rachel. You know, I, I live fairly close to that, so I hear all the, the hustle and bustle of everyone getting ready. Yeah, so July is going to be as big as May was for us geeks. So come on back next week <laughs> and we'll speak more geek. See you then. Henry and the gang will return next week with an all-new episode. The Geek Speak Show is powered by GeekTyrant.com, MightyBill.com, Ramasscreen.com, ZergNet.com, and Collider.com. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes, follow them on Twitter, at GeekSpeakShow1, become a fan on Facebook, and watch event coverage on YouTube slash GeekSpeak videos. See you next week. Cheerio! The Geek Speak Show.